Welcome to the Choose Life Radio Network. Your host is Jill Taylor. Every week we bring you a candid conversation with someone who's making a difference for the cause of life. And now here's Jill to introduce today's guest on Choose Life Radio. Welcome to Choose Life Radio. I'm Jill Taylor, your host today, and our guest is Dr. Patty Giebing. Patty, I'm so grateful for you sharing your story today on Choose Life Radio. Tell me and our listeners what kind of doctoring you do. I'm an OBGYN, and I've been delivering babies in South Dakota and the USA and also overseas for over 30 years. Wow. <laughs> currently, I'm kind of semi-retired, though, so I am not currently actively practicing medicine, taking a little bit of a hiatus. <laughs> Is it a long hiatus, or are you planning on going back and doing something else? Not sure. I do missions overseas, and I haven't been overseas since COVID started, and maybe, maybe that's what the Lord has in store for me. Absolutely. And I love that our listener has heard you speak already about the fact that the Lord is guiding you. But that wasn't always the situation, was it? What caused you to choose to be a physician? And, you know, was it a long-term dream of yours or, or what? My dad was an orthopedic surgeon. And growing up, I didn't want to go into medicine. And I chose instead to go into education. I became a PE teacher and got a master's degree and worked in exercise physiology. And when I thought about going back to get a PhD, my dad said, why don't you go to medical school? And I, all the reasons that I kind of thought against it kind of didn't matter anymore. And I thought, okay, well, maybe I can do that. Was it a tough thing? How many years did you end up working on that? I had to go back and get some prerequisites because I didn't have all the science classes I needed. So that added on another year or so. And then, of course, medical school is four years and residency is four years. And that's on top of, you know, an undergrad degree. So I was motivated to go. I was kind of an atypical student back then because I was older than almost all of my classmates in medical school. But at that point, I didn't really feel like I needed to go out and party. So I was just uh, better suited to studying and putting, as they say, the nose to the grindstone, I think. So med school is challenging, but it's really worth it. I initially thought since I was working in exercise physiology, I would go into sports medicine. And instead, I got interested in women's health. I know that you have a powerful story, and I want to get to that soon, but I'm also hoping that as you talk about your journey of becoming a physician, as other people are listening to this and considering that, what were some of the things that you went through in your training? In medical school, they try and expose you to different fields, so we would have rotations in different fields, and I was not looking forward to doing pediatrics because any child suffering is just hard to observe. But the thing I noticed about kids is that they could be really, really, really sick, and then they bounce back. It's kind of dramatic. And of course, with you know little kids, they can't really communicate. So most of the time, you're talking with the parents. And, but you know, kids are just precious. 
and taking care of them was great. I just never really got into pediatrics and was always attracted to women's health care. And then I got interested in obstetrics. So that's kind of where my path went. You also did overseas work. Tell me just a little bit about that. Well, I came to know Jesus in my heart in 2001. And uh, about a year later, a friend of mine who I met from working at the Indian Health Service in one of the reservations in South Dakota, she had since moved on and was working in some other state and called me and asked if I wanted to go to India for a few weeks. And I just said, yeah. So, (laughs) yeah. It was an invitation to a a Christian compound kind of in central east part of India, and she was asked to do some medical camps, and I think they were trying to recruit a doctor to work in their hospital, and I think they had their eyes on her. Anyway, we went over and spent about three weeks living in this Christian compound and There was a seminary, and for me, it was just an opportunity to see how Christian people live and worship. Um, It was sort of an intensive thing, and it was great because I was kind of a baby Christian, and it was a really good exposure for me. So that was my first overseas mission trip, and it just sort of expanded from there. So tell me a little bit about how you became a Christian. Who shared that with you? As I look back and I see how people that I knew had planted seeds, and when I went back afterwards, after my journey, and said, you probably don't remember when we had this conversation, and you said, blah, 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 and that was part of my my journey, coming to know the Lord. And they had no idea that that made a difference, but it did. That really speaks to our listener, because sometimes we assume we don't want to bump into somebody's other faith or whatever, and we don't share Christ. And so the idea of doing that as a relatively new Christian, you know, I'm I'm very proud of you in that area. What we say does make a difference. And like you said, we need to be courageous and plant seeds. And not that we're going to smack somebody beside the head, you know, like I have a brother who came to the Lord before I did, and he just kept, you know, I'm a born-again Christian, and it was always in your face. And that really was not a positive thing to me. But but some of my friends, like one general surgeon, woman doctor, friend of mine, they were, when I started in practice, there were very few women doctors, and so this general surgeon and I became friends, and she gave me a book that had sort of subtle Christian undertones, but yet by the time I finished the book, I kind of got it. But, you know, it wasn't at that time for me. So, you know, God has interesting ways that he moves us in our lives. And I was not a believer when I moved to a small town where I live now, and I just knew that I was supposed to move here. 
And I was doing running a lot of mileage, and I was running along the Missouri River, and it just kind of dropped into my brain that I think I'm supposed to take the permanent job here and, and not just come here intermittently. I think I'm supposed to take a permanent job. So I did that, and sometime later, I was, at that time, I was searching and sort of the new age type of thing. I had a friend who was doing something called Enlightenment Intensives, and so I went out to the mountains outside of Albuquerque and took one of her Enlightenment Intensives. And now I just kind of laugh, but that's the first time I really, I really encountered God. But it had nothing to do with the new agey stuff. It was just God just reached down and I had this experience and I had no idea what it meant. And then shortly after that, a friend of mine in my little town said, they have a new pastor over at this church. I didn't even know where the church was. I didn't know anything about it. I didn't know anybody who went there. But just on that comment, I showed up one Sunday for church, and I was just, I was captivated. And it's like every sermon just was like a laser to my heart. I had tried to read the Bible before, but it was like reading Greek or something. It was just totally, I could not understand it. But God opened my eyes and gave me a hunger for reading the Word. And a friend of mine from church who had just started going to the church, and we were kind of new believers, and she was a rancher. One Sunday, I looked at her and I said, have you ever thought about doing just a Bible study, just the two of us? And she said, wow, that was an answer to prayer. And so we did a phone Bible study. Yeah, we did a phone. Here's two two new believers. And about five mornings a week, it seems to me it was always about 7 or 7.30, one of us would call the other, and we would we were working through this formal Bible study that had been recommended to her. And so we would go through some of the questions and answers, and then we'd pray together, and then we'd, you know, do it the next day. And we did this for about a year and a half till both of us got too busy to do that in that fashion. And But I was reading the Bible every day, and I was understanding it for the first time. Not totally, because it's, you know, it's an ongoing thing. It's the living Word, and and no matter how many times we read a verse, God can bring new meaning into it or, or new relevance. We're talking today with Patty Giebink, and one of the things that we have not discussed yet is that she was a former abortion doctor. And we're going to get back to that on the other side, so don't go away. We'll be right back with you at Choose Life Radio. All of us look forward to summer. Whether you live in the coldest part of the country or whether the weather tends to be sunny and mild, summer means walks and picnics, baseball, golf, barbecues, and relaxing outdoor times with family and friends. But for a radio ministry like Choose Life Radio, it's unquestionably the most challenging time of the year. Donors, not necessarily you, but others, have a tendency to forget the ongoing financial needs of the ministry. And it's easy to do. Our schedules in the summer tend to look nothing like they do during the other seasons. And that's why I'm taking this time from our exciting interview to encourage you to make a special financial gift today. 
Right now, Choose Life Radio has a substantial financial need to address if we are going to remain on the station you are listening to today. And that challenging financial time, if it's anything like the past several years, will continue throughout the remainder of the summer months. So with that in mind, please consider sending a generous financial gift today. It will help us continue to broadcast interviews with those who, like you and me, love God and value the sanctity of human life. Your gift today is crucial to this ministry. You can give right now by going online at chooseliferadio.com. Locate the Donate button on the top right of the page, tap it, and follow the prompts. And while you're there, take a moment and consider making today's gift a monthly gift. The prompts will help you make that a reality. Or you can mail your check to Choose Life Radio, P.O. Box 36622, Canton, Ohio, 44735. That's ChooseLifeRadio.com or Choose Life Radio, Post Office Box 36622, Canton, Ohio, 44735. May the Lord bless you richly as you give to encourage others to celebrate the sanctity of human life. I thank you, and we look forward to hearing from you today. Welcome back to Choose Life Radio. We have had a wonderful time in the first half. If you've missed hearing the story by Patty Giebink, I'd love to have you come back and hear that first part because that's a very different part than we're going to deal with now. I want to know as a physician, how did you become an abortion doctor? And also, how did you find yourself doing some of those things that mutilated literally children? In medical school, my group of friends was an organization or a a group of women in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and they had an organization or were part of different organizations. And at one time it was called the Women's Political Caucus, another time it was called NARAL, but they were very, very pro-choice and even to the point of pro-abortion. And at that time, abortion was legal in South Dakota during the first trimester. This was my support group in medical school encouraging me. And when I decided I wanted to go into OBGYN, I didn't really think I would be an abortion doctor. I thought that maybe that was part of practicing medicine, but I, I didn't actually kind of walk it out to the to how that would be. But when I went to my residency in Indiana and they taught abortions, the procedure, you didn't have to do abortions, but you had to work in the abortion clinic. My medicine, especially women's health care, is a is a large field. And since I had a support group of women who were pro choice, pro abortion, Many of them had actually been hurt by illegal abortions before Roe v. Wade. I didn't really question what the baby went through. To me, it was science. It was science. Even when I worked in the abortion clinic and you have to look at the tissue and kind of count body parts because if you don't have everything you need, you have to repeat the procedure. 
So to me, it was science. It was embryology. It was development. I didn't think of what I was seeing as a living human being. So I worked in the abortion clinic. I did abortions. Some were totally elective. Some were medically indicated. But there was just so much to learn, and I was involved in learning. I wasn't thinking beyond that. And since I wasn't planning on being an abortion doctor, I just was doing what was required of me. So when I was in private practice, I wasn't doing abortions. And I worked for a number of years in private practice, and then I was approached by Planned Parenthood if I would do abortions one day a week. And so I did. I would sometimes be delivering babies the day before, and then the next day I would go do an abortion day at Planned Parenthood. And I never really saw the dichotomy, the conflict between those two things. And after almost two years of just, you know, working at Planned Parenthood part-time, they asked me if I would come full-time. And since at that clinic, they were only doing abortions approximately one day a week, I was still doing GYN care. I was doing women's health, mostly annual exams and contraception and things like that. And I worked full-time for them for a year, and it was probably the worst year of my life. We parted ways. It was kind of abruptly, and I actually was relieved. And this is one of the times where I think when I look back, I wasn't a believer, but that was the hand of God. I'm kind of a persistent person, and sometimes I think God just has to intervene and say, okay, enough. You need to get out of this situation. I went through some real humbling experiences before I actually ended up in this small town, going to this small church, you know, where God really got my heart. And at that time, I was still pro-choice because I just really thought that a woman's right to choose, we had to maintain that. And I didn't really question that. So when, when I was studying the Bible and I was going to this small church and I wasn't doing abortions anymore, I was practicing obstetrics and gynecology, and, and I wasn't worried, I wasn't thinking, oh my gosh, you know, I have to change my attitude, I have to change my belief, but reading the Bible and finally having God speak to me and learning about God's character It was so clear to me then as it is now that God's character is life. He creates life. That's who he is. And it wasn't an epiphany. It wasn't like all of a sudden I went, oh, my gosh. I had kind of suppressed what I had done for many years, for several years, until I was confronted with it at a Christian conference where It's actually the first chapter in my book where I was at this conference and I went up to speak as like, you know, the last day and evaluation of the conference. And instead of saying it was a great conference, learned a lot about, you know, the Holy Spirit. And instead, I blurted out that I'm proof that God can redeem anyone. I used to do abortions for Planned Parenthood, and then I just started sobbing and was tried to get back to my seat, and women came up to me and were hugging me, and and I was overwhelmed. 
because it, you know, I wasn't planning on saying anything. I had buried that so deep. But God wants to bring these things out into the light where he can deal with them. And that's exactly what you're doing today. You are on 750 stations across the nation, and I am so proud of you for sharing your story. You've also written a book, Patty. It's titled Unexpected Choices. It's in a powerful accounting of the journey that you've had. Tell me about your marriage, because it seems like your husband had been in your life for some time. Well, one of the very painful, humbling experiences was going through kind of a nasty divorce. And that was before I started going to this church. So I wasn't a believer, but I had this year where I was going through a divorce and it was just very painful. And I think God, God wants us to depend on him, not on my life as a doctor, not as my life as a wife, just to depend on him. And sometimes he pries away all these distractors until you're almost just stripped bare and and you have nowhere to go but to him. I'm sure there's someone listening who needed to hear that very statement because it's very difficult when you're losing things, when you feel like you have security. But the reality is you're right. God has to take those things away so that we can see him so that we can see Jesus and what he did on the cross for us. I am just so grateful for this time with you. Patty, you have written a book, and it's called Unexpected Choices. What kind of an experience did you go through for that? Well, I really wasn't planning on writing a book, but I joked about it a long time ago, like 2009, I joked about it, and people would keep asking me, "Well, well, what changed? They expected, like, one or two minute sentence of how I came to know the Lord, how I came from doing abortions to being pro-life. And I said, that's a long journey. That was a really long journey. And so I was encouraged to write the book and it took, that was another long journey because thinking about it and actually doing it, it's a long journey, but God connected the dots. And in my own strength, I couldn't do it. And I, at one point, I held, I threw up my hands, looked, looked at the sky and said, okay, God, I've done everything humanly possible. If you want this book to happen, you are going to have to make it happen. I'm done. I've tried everything. <laughs> and, you know, I think God was probably laughing at that point, and he loves the challenge. So he did in, in totally unexpected ways. And connected me with my co-writer, who's a storyteller. And if I had just written the book without her, it would read like a textbook. Nobody would get past page three. But she's a storyteller, and she just pulls these stories out of me. I hope that it makes people laugh. I hope it makes people cry. If you can read the chapter, Myths, Risks, and One Last Kiss, and not have tears in your eyes by the end, then you don't have a heart. I mean, it's just, some of the stories are just heartbreaking. Tell us again the title of your book, and what chapter is that that you mentioned just recently? The title of the book is Unexpected Choice, An Abortion Doctor's Journey to Pro-Life. And 
The chapter I was talking about is called Myths, Risks, and One Last Kiss. It's chapter 12. And I talk about the myths, the misconceptions, the lies that pro-abortion people tell. I also talk about the risks of abortion, and I also talk about perinatal hospice, which is kind of a foreign concept to some people. But I wrote the book because I wanted to write a kind book about love and redemption and compassion. Whether you're pro-choice or you're pro-life, you can read this book and find something in there. And I really especially wanted to speak to people on the fence who don't really know what to think, because I present both sides with love and compassion. And I told one friend that her sister's very much pro-abortion. I said, well, she read my book. She said it was non-judgmental. Use it as a platform to find, well, what did she like? What did she agree with? What did she disagree with? And not make it personal, because then you'll just fight. But make it about the book, make it about these ideas, and maybe she'll start to see some pro-life ideas. And that's really why I wrote the book. Well, that is fantastic reason. I'm glad you chose that book, and I'm glad you chose to sit down and get it written, because it is something that we need to share amongst the people who are undecided and saying it's not that big a deal. I don't have the right to keep them from doing this. You know, Patty, I'm so grateful for this time with you. Would you be willing to come back later and share some more? I'd love to hear more from you about things that some of our kids are experiencing these days. Would you be willing to come and talk about that? Yes, I'd be delighted. All right. And guests, thank you for joining us for this interview. And please come back next week for another interview at Choose Life Radio. The preceding program was sponsored by the Choose Life Radio Network of Canton, Ohio.